Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. It's May 9th, 1671. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that a wanted criminal stabbed and bludgeoned a 77-year-old man in an attempted robbery. Nowadays, the poor old man would be on the front page of the Daily Mail from his hospital bed, but in the more rough-and-tumble times of the 17th century, it was his assailant who became front-page news. Yes, he was an Irish adventurer, and his name was Thomas Blood, also known as Captain Blood, which is just too perfect a name to be a real person from history. (laughs) But more important than what his name was, was the location the jewel room of the Tower of London, and he was there to steal the crown jewels. And he was involved in a pretty audacious and quite complex heist, actually, that had involved him getting to know the keeper of the jewels, Talbot Edwards, who lived on the same floor as the jewels themselves. And Blood had donned the disguise of this person and went to see the crown jewels, and he became friendly with Edwards, and then returned at a later date with a woman who was pretending to be his wife. And just as he and his fake wife were going to leave, the wife had this violent stomachache and was taken kindly by Edwards to his quarters to rest. And then four days later, Blood returned, still disguised as this same Parsons, with four pairs of white gloves for Mrs. Talbot, who had shown great kindness to his inverted commas wife, and they became friends from there, and even were discussing the idea of introducing Edwards's daughter to the wealthy nephew of the Parsons, so he had this, like, deep, deep plot that he was weaving. Which is what's so clever about it, because I thought when I was reading about this, that the moment that he tried to steal the crown jewels must be the moment where his wife, quote-unquote, who was actually being played by an actress called Jenny Blaine, fainted, and then the man's distracted. You've seen the crown jewels, you know where they are, you know where he keeps the key, 77 years old, that's when you whack him on the head and steal the crown jewels. But no, (laughs) elaborate plan where he turns up, like you say, with the gloves, and then builds a relationship, and then comes back and does the the, the thing. Because I had always imagined this as a caper, you know? I always imagined it as him breaking in (laughs) in the middle of the night. But it was more of a catfish, if anything. Yes, yes. yes. As you mentioned, Aaron, he discussed with Talbot Edwards the idea that maybe his nephew, who in reality was his real son, could maybe marry Mm. their single daughter. So he suggested they will come back the next day. He'd bring the nephew along. He brought a couple of friends with him. And then as Talbot's wife was cooking a meal for them, he said, why don't we all go into the jewel room and take a look at the jewels? Classic. Well, let's talk about just how bad the security was at the Tower of London (laughs) at this point. Edwards, this 77-year-old keeper of the jewels, basically worked for tips. Like, he lived in the Tower of London, but his job, guarding the jewels, was rewarded only by people paying him to see the jewels. So Mm. he had this built-in weakness that if you had a convincing enough disguise, as in, oh, I'm a humble parson from the regions, you could just keep paying him to see the jewels and and case the joint. There was really just this grill that was removed from in front of the crown jewels, and at that point, blood knocked out 
Edwards just knocked him out cold and they started grabbing the <laughs> the goodies. So first of all, they had to flatten the crown with a mallet to put it into their bag. And then the orb was stuffed down Blood's trousers, which I love. The scepter was too long to put in the bag or his trousers. So Blood's <laughs> brother-in-law, who was also there, had to try to saw it in half. Is that a scepter in your breeches or are you just <laughs> yeah, uh, in a rush yeah. to get out of the jewelry? Uh, and, and one giant orb. It's like they've put in all of this setup work. They've got disguises, there's costumes, apparently yeah. there were concealed swords. But like, why didn't they just bring a bigger bag? Yeah, I mean, they've true. seen the jewel so point. many times at this point. You'd think they could have been like, mm, yeah. maybe a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Edwards then regains consciousness and he starts shouting, murder, treason, the crown is being stolen. And Blood and his men just dropped the scepter and tried to run away. And as they were running away, they were firing back, also shouting treason in an attempt to confuse their pursuers, <laughs> which I also love. That they're like, no, you're the treasonous ones. No, you're the treasonous ones. And he would have got away with it too if it wasn't for those pesky Edwards kids. Because Talbot mm-hmm. Edward's son just happened to be staying at the. They'd cased the joint, they'd done their research, it was an old man, but they hadn't anticipated for his military serving son happening to be at home when right. they went there. And so a chronicler of the time reports the drama very well, actually. Two of them went into the rooms, whilst the other third stayed at the door, bound, wounded, and gagged Mr. Edwards, who had the custody of it, the crown jewels, and carried away the crown. Mr. Edward's son, coming in and finding his father in that condition, pursued one of the villains, shot at him, but missed him, as also the sentinels, but they were so closely followed that two were taken about the Iron Gate. So if his son hadn't come in at that moment and raised the Mm. alarm, then they actually probably would have been able to flee with these jewels. Yeah, and it was his friend, a guy called Captain Beckman, who was the one who actually managed to catch up with blood in the end, just as he was about to get on his horse too. So if it hadn't been for those two, they might have been able to get away with it, because blood had got away with a lot of stuff in the past. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it, that we're getting to this point of the story before saying who Captain Blood is. But let's remind ourselves of where we are in history at the moment. So these crown jewels that he was stealing were actually new jewels, hot off the press, basically, Mm. because the original crown jewels had been sold off or destroyed when Charles I was executed. Interestingly, Captain Blood had actually been on the side of royalty. He was a royalist, and that will come into play in a moment. And he switched to the roundheads in the Civil War when he saw the way the tide was turning. Under Cromwell's government got land in Ireland and then when we had the restoration of the monarchy Charles II's government then took away all the land from the people that had been awarded it under Cromwell which left him seriously pissed off yeah he'd uh, he'd joined together with a bunch of disgruntled Cromwellians and attempted to seize Dublin Castle and to take the governor Lord Ormond prisoner and Ormond was one of these wealthy royalists who had profited well from the restoration but again the plot failed and blood had to flee to Holland now with a price on his head. But in spite of being one of the most wanted men in England, Blood returned in 1670 and was practising as a doctor in Romford. But he wasn't over he wasn't over his beef with Lord Ormond. He tried mm. to revenge himself in another like in another incredibly daring plot. I don't know if you could really get away with more. What did he put down his trousers <laughs> that time? <laughs> well, he staked out Ormond's home in London, Clarendon House, and then he tried to abduct him as he returned. And he actually did. He seized him, dragged him onto a horse, and there was this scuffle where Their plan was to take him along Piccadilly, take him to Tyburn Gallows and sort of do this spontaneous hanging. But luckily, Ormond had this faithful servant who had followed along behind and managed to get him out of the grasp of the gang. So by this point, Thomas Blood was very much a wanted man. Okay, so fast forward back to the Tower of London. He's just been captured. As the soldiers Mm -hmm. seized him, he cried, it was a gallant attempt, however unsuccessful. (laughs) Twas for a crown. And then he's taken away. And then he says... 
I'm not going to give you any information about how I put this together until I speak to the king. Mm. Now, bear in mind, if you're Charles II and you know this guy from what we've just outlined, would you speak to this man who has just literally <laughs> smashed your crown in pieces and put it down his pants? No, you wouldn't. You'd just let someone hang him, except that is not what Charles II did. He was reputed to have had something of a liking for scoundrels, and so he did actually meet with Blood, and apparently he was quite uh, amused, particularly at Blood's audacity when he said that the crown jewels were not worth the £100,000 that they'd been valued at by the monarchy itself, but only £6,000. And in any case, he was pardoned, which was very much to the disgust of Lord Ormond, for one, who yeah. had just <laughs> almost been hanged in the street I mean, by... And what about the guy, who, the 77-year-old man who was just doing his job protecting the crown? He gets knocked unconscious. And that was the right. worst part, yeah. because not only did Blood get pardoned, he got gifted land in Ireland, which would bring him in a revenue of £500 a year, Talbot Edwards received a one-off payment of less than £300 for his heroism. It never got paid to him, and he died three years later, having never recovered from his injuries. Well, one of the other theories was that rather than Charles just loving a good rogue, (laughs) um, perhaps he saw Blood as a valuable ally who was potentially worth more to him alive than dead. And the theory goes that in later years, Blood may have joined his network of spies throughout Ireland. Yeah, we'd already shown his ability to flip-flop, hadn't he? Right, And he was obviously pretty conniving. And maybe he had something on Charles II. I mean, he was well-connected. Maybe he knew something about Charles II. There's also this wacky niche theory, although it is that Charles II, famously very lavish spender, was cash-strapped and that maybe he was somehow in cahoots with the whole scheme. It was almost Mm. like an insurance scam. Steal his own crown. The thieves would steal the crown jewels and then he'd have to borrow loads of money to get new crown jewels. Right. <laughs> well, certainly it wasn't popular with the court, the idea of having blood now swan into town. And there was this restoration poet called John Wilmot, who wrote this short poem about him that goes, Blood that wears treason in his face, villain complete in parson's gown, how much he is at court in grace for stealing Ormond and the crown. I mean, swanning around is the right verb. By the summer, he was spotted strolling around Whitehall wearing a, quote, new suit and periwig, (laughs) being, quote, extraordinary, pleasant and jocose. (laughs) And for someone with his talents, this was a great time to be hanging around the court because Charles II had a real army of spies listening in on conversations, reporting back to him. And so Blood was kept very busy doing that. And also there's evidence to suggest he was, you know, playing both sides off against the other, kind of the same thing he did in the Civil War. Sire, they intend to steal your crown jewels again. (laughs) Guys, let's go get the crown jewels. <laughs> Daddy needs a new periwig. <laughs> Tomorrow. An architect had suggested that they hang something from the roof and he sit on that, but he was like, no, no, no. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.